who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. Each Monday, I bring you a brand new full-length episode covering something from a wide variety of topics. And then every Friday, come meet up with me again for a mini What's in the News episode so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on in the world. Check out Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And rage on. Welcome to Awkward Sex in the City. This is the second episode. I am Natalie Wall, your host for Awkward Sex in the City. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are back listening for more. Today, I have my very good friend, Danny Faith Leonard. Um, you are the co-founder of Big Vision Empty Wallet, which is a production company and an uh, inclusion-focused incubator. I did almost fuck it up, uh, which is just a great company that's done so many great projects. I'm always excited for everything that you guys do, your classes, anything you guys produce. We talk about awkward sex, Avi. Uh, we talk about spray tans. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So, like, the next thing was who's going to be the first person to see a dick? Like, I haven't had sex nor seen or felt a penis. <laughs> but I don't think that's how herpes works. And it turns out I was right. I really wanted to be Britney Spears. Uh, like, I wanted to look exactly like her. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll never look like that again, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, happy birthday, Danny! By the Thank way, you. it is. Oh, what year is it? Thirty-four. Really? Oh my yeah. god! I thought you were. For some reason, I thought you were younger than me. Um, really? Yeah. You I have a very a, youthful vibe. I have a young face, and I feel like that will backfire eventually because one <laughs> year I'll age a lot in that one year, and people will be like, "Oh," I'm like, "Oh, I I see it now." Um. So one of the reasons I had you on the podcast is one I do. I love you. I think you're hilarious. You've done the show a few times. What you do is very huge and very progressive. And you have with uh, with your company and just yourself brought up so many different women and different like projects that really, really specifically put a lot of spotlight on a lot of subjects that women want to talk about, but don't get the ability to because um, uh, I'm blanking on the title, but it won in Tribeca. Um, Oh, um, the light of the moon. Yes, there. Yeah, it, is. it won at South by Southwest oh. last year. Oh, South by Southwest, fuck, uh, sorry. You know, similar big film festival. It was a big film festival. Yeah, it won the audience award, which 
I I think we were even more proud of than if it had won the jury award because I think um, so. The Light of the Moon is a film that is about sexual assault, and it's tone it's told through the perspective of the victim who is a woman who does not victimize herself, mm-hmm. and I. I really related to the movie because the protagonist who's played by Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a really strong professional woman and the sexual assault or the rape does not make her not a strong professional woman afterwards. Mm -hmm. She's still that. She's just figuring out how to come to terms with it and how it affects her relationship with her boyfriend and, and all these other aspects of her life. And we, you know, in in working on a film like that, you're immediately told that it's not going to find an audience. Like, an who's going to want to go to a movie theater and see that? And, um, you know, South by Southwest that year was only a few months after the Women's March, after the first Women's March. So, Oh, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So at South by Southwest, we did another, we did a march. Mm-hmm. I almost got arrested. This is like an ongoing, I did not know that. This is like an ongoing theme with me. Yeah, because we didn't have a permit. And uh, okay, and so okay. the police showed up and I had to guarantee it. Like I was the person of like, if they show up, it's me. And I was so I was prepared. I had like I had bail money in my shoe and I was just like, um, you know, if this happens, it happens. Wow. And then they were so nice. Oh, that's we got so... some we got some nice cops in Austin, Texas. Because I rem- it, like really worked out. I would have had no clue because you posted on this on Instagram, right? You posted the march. I remember yeah. the pictures and I would have had. Did you talk about almost getting arrested like in the Instagrams? I don't remember. No. Okay. No, because I think we were still trying to be respectful of the fact that we did it without a permit. Okay. That's, <laughs> um, that's really cool. And also, and did it not in, con- like, you know, we had, the festival had to say that they had nothing to do with it. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, that was great. And we won the audience award, which is like, if you're telling us that we're not going to find an audience and then we win the audience award, it's like that the- really... Yeah. And it's like it sh- the biggest fuck you to yeah. people not telling you and that. And it showed distributors that we should be in theaters. So that's what ended up happening, which exactly. was so cool. Oh, man, that's amazing. You're a fucking powerhouse. And I'm pretty sure you're aware of it, but I think everyone should know. Oh, no, thank um, you. But, um, but also you have like, you have a mom that teaches sexual education. Right. She doesn't anymore. Doesn't anymore, but she, she did. Doesn't anymore. Yeah, she was the sex ed teacher in my middle school. Okay, there it is. Okay. Which... Sounds horrifying, but really wasn't. Story that I would always hear about my mom, which I always thought was very cool, was on the first day of class, she would have every student walk up to the board and write every dirty word they could think of for penis, (laughs) vagina, and sex, just so that they could Uh get it out of the way and break the ice. And I'm sure you can't do that anymore because kids have cell phones with cameras. And if they took a picture of that board, that that would be all over the internet. I've thought about that recently. That's true. Like, one picture and it could totally be misconstrued as, as as any like anything basically totally and something that i've done a lot of research on and i found really interesting is that sex ed isn't a set curriculum i think a lot of people understand that that in every school it's a totally different thing that they teach mm-hmm. but something that i didn't realize growing up is that in i think it's 37 out of 50 states they're allowed to teach you inaccurate information in a sex ed classroom because so that they could basically like promote a religious agenda or whatever, whatever agenda they're 
that community is dedicated to promoting. I had no clue. I knew there was a lot of states that had no sexual education, but I didn't know they could like legally give you incorrect. Right. That is the scariest thing I've ever heard in my life. I didn't know that until recently when I was just doing some research on it for something I was writing and I couldn't believe that. Holy shit. Oh my God. I mean, I'm trying to think back now. Like I, I was in Catholic school for middle school. So we, I'm pretty sure our sex education was like, it was like a mock uh, uh, debate about, because what election was that? Was that, I don't even remember, but they'd be like, do you, are you for abortion? Raise your hand. And like, so none of us would. And if you did, you'd end up in like the principal's office. Yeah. It was oh like a lot. Oh my God. And that's wrong. And they'd force us to go to like pro-life um, rallies or whatever. And even back then in eighth grade, I was like, I am not for this. Um, but in high <laughs> school, I don't, I barely remember my actual education. I just remember these kids in the corner after like a sex ed movie being like, I know he'd have herpes because I'd feel the bumps on his penis. And I remember being like, I feel like that's wrong. Like I haven't had sex nor seen or felt a penis. (laughs) I don't think that's how herpes works. And it turns out I was right. Um, But I can't even like, oh God, that's like blowing my my mind that it's allowed. I know. (sighs) Sex ed in my high school was, we had a really cool teacher and it was an, it was, Another student's mother. I feel like that's very typical. Um, but she was like the cool mom. She was, I mean, my mom's very cool too, but she was the cool high school mom. Uh-huh. And um, unfortunately, there were all of these complaints within the community about sex ed. So I feel like she was limited in what she could do and what she could teach. So I remember we had one whole, I think it was like basically a half a year where I felt like all we did was watch Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> like if you have sex, you will get AIDS. You are Tom Hanks. Like, I feel like that was the narrative. Yeah. And so having <laughs> a mom, so, because I, I feel like you could say, Lisa, that your mom is like sexually liberated for because of all the knowledge that she has. Did you get uh, an education very early on because you had such a very like a sexually um, educated mother? Yeah. I uh, I was like six or seven years old. And I remember my mom and my best friend's mom, my best friend, Hillary, grew up around the corner from me. They sat us down and they had us watch a video about our periods. And I think that was, well, it was more about more than periods. It was about sex, too. And it was a little sex education video. And we were like, all right, cool. We're going to go out and play now because it didn't really mean anything to us yet. But I but I think. The uh, that like elementary school education that usually takes place in fifth grade mm-hmm. half the girls got their periods already and yeah. and they're getting explained to what a period is so i was really thankful well now i'm thankful i don't didn't really care when i was seven years old but i'm <laughs> i'm really thankful now that i knew what what a period was and what sex was because it also made it something that didn't feel so forbidden to me yes exactly. which is a, very important Especially for, I feel like, especially for women. So uh, when, like, when sex was, like, presented to you with your with your parents, were you asking questions or, like, was it your parents were like, no, we're going to tell you? Like, I was asking questions pretty early. I'm pretty sure I just walked into my parents having sex a lot and then started humping my teddy bears because I was like, well, this is what mom and dad does. And it kind of <laughs> feels good, too, so I get it. I I don't think I actually, I never asked my parents that many questions because I had this, we, we did this thing, um, especially in middle school, 
when we had our, it's not recess in middle school, but it's like you have a lunch break, right? Mm-hmm, and then I guess mm-hmm. you kind of have recess. And we had this little area that we would sit in uh, outside the school and it was inside a doorway where we were totally hidden. And uh, I was like me and maybe five other girls. And we would talk about everything that we had learned about sex and we would share it with each other. And and I feel like that's where a lot of my learning came from, but also a lot of the making comparisons with other girls mm-hmm. about what they were doing. And I was the first to get my period and they were like jealous. Wow. I'm like, don't be jealous. I have cramps. You're like, it kind of hurts. Yeah, this is not fun. But they were they were really jealous just because I was the first. Wow. And it, then we had this whole this whole like running competition of firsts. So like the next thing was who's going to be the first person to see a dick. Oh my God. And Were you first? No, 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 I wasn't. And I know I've told this story at the live awkward sex <gasps> oh, show. Yes, you have. Cause it, it does ring true. Like it sounds familiar now. I remember that. Yeah. Show. Yeah. There was, um, a couple of girls had seen dicks and then there was this one girl, <laughs> a couple of girls had seen some dicks. <laughs> she, she was the first girl who had like seen a dick and wouldn't shut up about it. And so she was very braggy. How much can you say about seeing a dick, though? Like, I feel like that's all you can say. It's like, hey, I saw it. This was the size. This was the context. And I feel like that's all that you can really say. Color. True color. Texture. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. And then, of course, when they would all describe the size, they'd be like, and it was huge, which you know wasn't the case. But, like, it's just what everyone would (laughs) would say to each other. That's another thing we're taught. Like, we that all men should want big dicks and all women should want big dicks. And now I can say after having a plethora of sizes inside me and around me, I like a very medium sized penis. I like a very medium, like right down the middle. I don't want super huge, super huge hurts for a certain position, <laughs> you know? And like now I have like, I, I, <laughs> I have a medium sized penis <laughs> and, and all the sex positions just feel so much better. And like, I was like, why are we, Supposed to subscribe to just nothing but big dicks. Like, I don't Listen, know. Girth matters too. Girth does matter. Like, shows used to get so much shit, but it shows kind of great because that's what you want. You want, like, you want that width inside of you. <laughs> and I, I'm not even joking. I'm being like totally serious right now, too. I love a good showed. Well, the first dick I saw was very big. Really? I okay. Think, okay. I think, like, in my memories version of it is that it was big, mm-hmm. but I was also like 12 years old. And uh, oh, you were 12. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, um, you know, not not to spoil it. I already said that I eventually saw his dick, but uh, (laughs) it was right around the time that all of these girls were were bragging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I felt like I was lagging behind. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I really didn't like that feeling because remember, I was the first one to get my period. And this was like the next big milestone. Everyone was seeing a dick. Of course. And this I, is America. There was, like some, like ma- there was some making out in there, too. But like, I feel like we had all played spin the bottle. Like we had done that. Like that wasn't a bragging thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I do love that. It's like get your first. It's like get your period. And then it's the dick. Like there was like no kissing. <laughs> no, like, oh, I use my tongue. Like it was just like dick. And not even like touch it, just see it. It was just our thing. I don't know. Uh, no, I love it. I think it's great. So I was getting really stressed out about it. <laughs> and then we had this exchange program that mm-hmm. we were doing in our school um, with a a middle school in Sweden. Okay. And uh, so I, they were coming here first before we we went to Sweden. 
and there were an uneven number of boys and girls. So most girls had a girl stay with them. Most boys had a boy stay with them, but they had too many boys. So they gave me a boy as my right. my counterpart exchange student. Um, and his name was Frederick. <laughs> I always say his real name too, but I'll, I can't find him. I've tried to find this guy. Okay. Just because okay. I think it would be fascinating to see what he looks like now. And of I picture course. him looking like Alexander Skarsgård because he kind of looked like him then too. That's a very specific look. Too. I know, except he... So when we were 12 or 13... He was like six foot four already. And he was only like 13. Yeah, but he oh, was wow. like 110 pounds. Wow. He was so awkward. Um, I mean, anyone who's six foot four and 13 years old is going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. But most of these Swedish exchange students were also six foot four. And he wasn't alone, but he was the most awkward because he didn't speak. So okay. most people who grow up in Scandinavia learn English in school and maybe even speak it a little bit at home to practice. And I felt like every other exchange student spoke English really well and mm-hmm. he didn't speak a word, oh. but he might have. I don't know. He never said anything. He literally, like, I did never heard the sound of his voice the entire time that he stayed with us. And my mom would do anything possible to make him feel comfortable, but she, like, I, she wasn't, like, that culturally aware. So, like, <laughs> she took him to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> And we walked around. Here is the furniture <laughs> of your family. I don't even know. Oh, my God. At least he could pronounce the the names of the furniture. Is it true that it's pronounced Ikea and not Ikea? I wouldn't know because he couldn't. He didn't speak. He didn't so say anything. He, <laughs> he never just, corrected us. So he never he never even talked talk to your mom. Like, no, he just he he wouldn't talk. And it was OK. Like we found ways of communicating and you know um one of the things and this is this played a role in how i eventually saw his dick one one <laughs> thing that we, no one knew where the story was going you see the swedish boy's I dick do. we we had to explain to him that he needed to shower and that was like a a definite cultural difference mm-hmm. so we so fa- like it had been a he had probably been staying with us for at least a week already, and he hadn't showered yet. Okay. And I'm, he, I'm sure he cleaned himself off. He didn't smell or anything. It wasn't like a hygiene situation. It's just that my, my mom knew that he hadn't showered, and she couldn't get over that. And like so we would whisper. <laughs> every time he would leave the room, she'd be like, when is he going to shower? We oh got to make him shower. <laughs> and so we went to the beach. And then when we came back, like we were all covered in sand. So she uh-huh. was like, you have to shower. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's the time. So then once he took that one shower, he like took a few more afterwards. And there was this one time he was leaving to go home soon after this. So I and this is pervy, but I decided to linger <laughs> outside the door because he <laughs> would shower with the door open a crack, which also like I would never do, especially in a a stranger's home or I guess yeah, we weren't yeah. strangers anymore but still I like who does that and you're staying with a girl so like the way I look at it now maybe he wanted me to see his dick and he probably also knew because my friends and I were gossiping about it like basically in front of him and maybe maybe he did speak English <laughs> oh he probably did he probably knew everything that was going on maybe uh so he when he stepped out of the shower I was standing outside the door and he like, I remember it really vividly. He stepped out of the shower and he didn't have the towel on and he like shook himself off to dry. And I saw the penis move back and forth. And I was like, this is going to be such a great story later. Oh my God. It has to <laughs> hurt to like flip flop your dick like that. Like, and he had, I guess, 
I can't tell if it's a big penis or not, or if he was just so skinny that anything would have looked big. That is a very real thing. Like, I've definitely been with, like, skinny dudes that, like, their penis, in comparison to, like, their very tiny, tiny leg, that's like a third of my thigh, just looks huge compared. It could have been. Um, But anyway, I lingered outside the door a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. And then when he came outside, we had a little encounter and I brushed against his penis by accident. And that is the part of the story that I like. I like now in the year of the Me Too movement, (laughs) I feel really badly about. But it really was a total accident. I stopped being competitive after this story. (laughs) (laughs) He took you too far. It was too close to the edge. Um, so when I lost my virginity, I had never touched a penis. I had never seen a penis. I had never blown a penis. And even when I had sex, uh, we did it in literal darkness. So I never even saw his penis. My, my first actual sexual experiences. And I say that because even though I wasn't a virgin anymore at this point, I still like, I still hadn't really done much else. Other than lose my virginity. So I was still really nervous around guys. And I was still really like I was terrified that my next experience would be like sort of the unknown and stuff that I hadn't done before. Um, But also to give some background, I went to the University of Miami and this background is really important. Um, I really wanted to be Britney Spears. Uh, Like I wanted to look exactly like her. So I do think we all had a moment where we wanted to because there was a point in high school where I just wanted to be blonde, blue hair and tan. And uh, obviously I am one of the palest people in the world. And uh, blonde (laughs) was one of the worst decisions I could ever make for my face. Uh, So I'm there with you. I totally did the same thing. I um, I had blonde highlights, of course. And like my natural color is like a a dark, dirty blonde. Yeah. So so it wasn't so different from that. Um, I was always in top shape. I was just very, I, I was a musical theater major, so we danced a lot. And I also went running like basically every day. Cause it's just like what you do in Miami. Mm-hmm. I'd like, I'll never look like that again, <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, and of course I like pierced my belly button the first week of college because it's just like what people were doing. Oh my God. And I would go to parties wearing bras and fedoras. And I was just like, I was the trashiest version of myself that I could possibly be. And I feel like I should send you a picture of this so that there's context when this episode comes out oh my of God, what yes. I looked like Please. in college. Because it's, it's pretty funny. Please. Oh, my God. Yeah, I want to see funny. Even if it's just for me personally, like, I just want to know. Um, so being in Miami, you'd go in the sun a lot, obviously. Um, but I don't. I don't always tan so well mm-hmm. or so easily. Mm-hmm. And so I I had like, my friends were going to the tanning salon. I really didn't want to do that. I knew that it was bad for you. At least I knew that. I was still like baking out in the sun with oil. <laughs> and I think I was really dark. It's just that my friends were darker. Exactly, yeah. So the tanning salon was like basically downstairs from my apartment, which is ridiculous when I think about it. I lived in this off-campus apartment. Okay. And so I went downstairs to this tanning salon because they had a sign up that they had just gotten airbrush tanning. I can only think of that Friends episode where he keeps getting like spray tanned in the face or something. (laughs) It's Ross, right? It's either Ross or it's Monica. It's one of the two. I think it's Ross. I think it's Ross too. Yeah. So it was, it was my first time doing any kind of spray tanning Mm -hmm. and I had so I had a date that night 
and I wanted to look really great. And like, I hadn't really gone on many dates and I was really nervous. Yeah. Um, and this was a guy I really liked and I had hung out with a lot and I just like, I knew that I wanted to be with him and I knew that the night could go in that direction. So I knew I wanted to look fantastic naked. So I got a spray tan, but spray tan being so new or being new to me was not really explained to me in this session. So it wasn't explained like you wear it for a certain number of hours and then you wash it off and then you go out with people. You don't just like wear the spray tan around. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I thought you just got the spray and like that was it. You had that for like a week and then like at, with each shower, it slowly like came off of you. You usually, I think you wear it for like, uh, like maybe six to eight hours and then you wash it off and then it's otherwise it like could rub off on things and I didn't really know this. Oh, no. I um, know where the story is going. So I go on this date. No, you don't. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know where the story is going. Okay, okay. I go on this date and we do end up back at his place. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm like so nervous. Like, I just don't know what's happening. And this guy was so much more like I could tell that he was like very sexually advanced. He was, he was older than me, too, even though we were both in college. And I was just like, oh, God. Uh, and he was like, you know, uh, it's been a long day. Can we bathe together before we get in bed? And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, that's kind of hot. Okay. Uh, not thinking that I have this spray tan on. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, so we, he, he makes a bubble bath. Oh my God. Which is important. <laughs> um, and we get in the bath together. And we start fooling around and then I'm like, my eyes are basically like closed and my head is back. And then I start looking around me and I see these brown bubbles. And I'm noticing that the entire bath is turning brown. Oh my God. And the bubbles are brown. I like try to move some over and I look at the murky water and I'm like, oh shit, it must be me. Oh it must God. be the spray tan. And I and I figure it out eventually, but I'm like, how am I going to get him out of the bath and like drain the bathtub before before he notices? Before he notices. So I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And uh, <laughs> and he was like, oh, OK. And he's like, I could just turn around. And I was like, no, no, no. I prefer if you would leave the room. And so he like left the room and I got out of the bath and I drained the bathtub. And then when he came back in the room, I was like, I don't know what happened. There must be something wrong with your bathtub. All of the water drained out of the bathtub. And there was still some brown bubbles in there. But I guess, I guess at that point, he didn't notice. And he's like, I'm going to have to call someone. <laughs> And then uh, luckily I didn't ruin his sheets, though, because we had like I think ultimately it was probably a good thing. Yeah. But that was my first like that was my first awkward sex panic, I think. Oh, my God. Um, Luckily, I was fast on my feet. So so how long you guys are both in the bath, right? Yeah. And how long do you think you were in when you noticed? Five to ten minutes. And you don't think he didn't, didn't notice at all? I don't know. Because that, that's true. Was he dumb? Oh, like, yeah. He's oh, dumb. Oh, okay. Okay. Then that totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's dumb. At first, I, the, when the, uh, the way that the story was going, I was like, oh, my God. He's going to think that she, like, diarrheaed in this bath <laughs> and he's going to freak out. Oh, my God. No, I guess it could have been much worse. Um, but I also remember looking at myself in the mirror when I got out of the bath. And the so the bath water had come up to, like, 
my maybe like my collarbone the way okay. that I was sitting and I had I was like very tan still from the neck up and like my oh, no. normal color from the collarbone down no my normal color was still very tan I just didn't see it that way because I wanted to be the tannest person mm-hmm. which is not a good look for anyone no it really isn't it's it there is such a thing as like it's too much sun it's just too much fake tan there is <laughs> I, yeah. And this is coming from someone who's tried everything, especially I have a similar story. It's not sex related, but when the spray tans came out, so did the lotions. And so my mom would buy all the lotions because we're both super pale. And I was her little guinea pig. And she was like, oh, no. go outside and do this because we had white carpets. So there was no way I was allowed inside the house. And I would for hours try this on my skin and try to make it look like I try to make this lighter, this side lighter and this side darker. And it was awful. And then one day, um, I did this and I was like, oh, it looks kind of good. I was orange and went to the community pool with my friend Amanda and then got in the pool and slowly had just like rings of orange around me in front of these two very hot lifeguards <laughs> then started to play Marco Polo with us. One of which I would um, did actually kind of hook up with, but we were both ignoring the fact about it because he was an awful, awful guy. But I just remember being mortified, being like, how I was like, Amanda, you have to get me the fuck out of the situation. And she was like, but it's hot. I want to be in the pool. And I was like, you just have like slick orange oil rings, which is everywhere. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can't believe it. it was brown bubbles, brown bubbles. Oh, my God. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think that's the perfect button for the end of this podcast. Brown bubbles. And it wasn't poop, which no, always no happens poop. with me. Brown bubble poop. Um, Danny, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I can't wait to have you back on. Thank you. Thank I, you so much for having I me. I hope you had fun. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yes. It uh, did. This is a really good birthday. Birthday <laughs> midday break. Yes. Oh, man. Way to treat yourself. Just like talk about some of the most personal things that have ever happened to you <laughs> that will then go put on the radio somewhere or not radio, but like SoundCloud or some shit. Yay. Guys, thank you for listening. This episode will be on morebanana.com or you can follow uh, Danny at Danny F. Leonard or Danny Flennard at Twitter or Awkward Seconds in the City on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter or mine, which is at Wallen P. And thank you guys so much. And I can't wait to produce more episodes for you. This has been fun. This has been crazy and weird and exciting. And I love it. So thank you for coming on, Danny. And thank you for listening, listeners. Bye, guys. I'm Natalie Wall. I always forget my name. Bye.